Well, good morning. Um, excited to be with Ocean City Church this morning. It's been a while. Uh, the last time I was here, we didn't even have the space next door. Like, it's really, it's exciting to see um, where Ocean City has come. Um, this morning, I wanted to start by just telling a little uh, testimony from, from my life, just an experience that I had that I think fits into what we're going to look at this morning. And so um, I, I just turned 50 last year. Um, so I don't know what that means. Three quarters of the way done with my life. I don't know what that means exactly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with, I got, I got plenty, I got plenty to go. But uh, you know, you, you reach this certain age where you have these relationships that you've invested in for years, right? Like friends that you, know, you, that, that you were with when you start having kids, um, when you get married, uh, you know, you have just these relationships. But as you get older, something happens, all right? I think, definitely happened to me. I don't wanna project on any of you, but for me, those relationships, they just get harder and harder to like maintain. Like life gets complicated. You have people that move away, that again, you've got decades of history with. They move away. You have relationships that kind of fall apart. Divorce starts happening. People just go crazy. Something happens. I don't know. And so I find myself several years ago, I'm not, not conscious of, I'm not thinking about this, but a lot of my relationships had kind of fizzled out. And so then comes uh, the pandemic, and I'm an extrovert, right? So so pandemic comes, and as we're kind of coming out of it, somebody at River City Church uh, approached my wife and I about joining a city group. And I've done city groups before, right? Like, but I mean, I've had these relationships for decades. What is a city group really going to do for me, right? Like, like who, I, I barely knew the people, right? Like, I knew them from church. I'd see them, but I didn't know them that well. So they invited me, and I'm like... At this point, I'll sign up for anything, <laughs> right? Like, I just want to get out of the house. Like, I just want to see people. I just want to talk to people. So I signed up for this group, and um, I had very little expectations. They're not here, so I can say whatever I want about them. <laughs> I had very little expectations, right? I was like, it's not like we're going to reach this level of depth, you know, that I would have had, again, with relationships that I had for, for such a long time. I just didn't believe that it's possible, right, without history. But we did it. Um, and what I found out really quickly was this group was a little different than the city groups I had done before. It was committed. <laughs> so committed that they had a covenant. Let's just put up a, this, this, is the, this is just part of the covenant agreement, okay? So I'm not actually gonna read it, but but one of, the, one of the guys in the group is an attorney. And so he wrote this contract. <laughs> and it was, it's, it's hysterical, but a little true. It's, a, it's hysterical because it's written in these legal, legalistic, you know, this is what you're, you're covenanting to with the rest of the, the, the team. But, but what you find out is that they were serious about pursuing relationship on mission. This city group was unlike city groups I'd been in before in that it was so intentional. Literally, you're signing an agreement that says that you will arrange your life around the group. You won't plan to go on date night on city group night. 
Like you will make decisions based on the commitment that you're making to the city group. On mission to become more like Jesus, that you will be on mission, that you're not just gonna come and, and not give of yourself, that you're not gonna be authentic, that you're not gonna allow people to speak into your life. So I joined this group. And again, low expectations, just coming out of COVID, nothing really going on beyond that. I just wanted to be around people. Well, within about six months of joining the group, my life goes crazy. My stepfather has a stroke. He's, he's in the hospital. While he's in the hospital, I go and I'm, I stay with my mom and I realize they've been covering for each other for years. I don't know how long, but she can't live by herself anymore. So I've got my stepfather's dying in the hospital. I've got my mom that I've got to figure out what I'm going to do, like where to live, like this. My stepfather eventually dies. My mom moves in. All of this is, my life is exploding. Is that clear? <laughs> All of that to say my life is exploding. But meanwhile, I'm in this group and I've only been in it for like six months, but they know me. I've, I've signed an agreement. I've been investing. I've been making small deposits in this group for, for just six months. And yet I had this support system that was there that would not have been there without it. Think about that. All the decisions that were made up for that six months. I mean, I, when, I wrote, when I wrote my notes, I actually said it was a year. It was only... It was like only six months. But all of those decisions, when I said no, when I said no, I would much rather go to dinner with these friends that invited me, but instead I'm gonna say no and I'm gonna go to my city group because they made me sign a contract, <laughs> right? All of those decisions, all of that time, forcing myself to be authentic, forcing myself to be vulnerable with this group, forcing myself to do what doesn't necessarily come naturally small deposits. And in that small amount of time, I had this group that I could share with as I'm about to go through. I didn't know it. It's going to go through this nightmare. There's a quote that kept coming up in my mind. It's like a leadership quote, but it totally applied. It was this, you don't dig a well when you're thirsty. You don't wait until you're thirsty to dig the well. You, you dig it when you're healthy. You dig it when you can so that when you are thirsty, you've got a well. What does this have to do with anything this morning? This story happened in my life and at River City, we've been talking about patterns. This idea that every day we're making decisions about who we wanna be. Every day we're making small deposits one way or the other in who we want to be. What are the decisions that we're making? What are the decisions that we're making today that are dictating who we're gonna be? And what patterns are we subscribing to? Because this morning, what I wanna talk about is this pattern that I believe Jesus in the New Testament is one of us intentionally pursuing authentic relationships on mission. That is a pattern that we see in the life of Jesus. That's a pattern that we see in the early church. That's the pattern that we see in the New Testament. And every day we're gonna make a decision of what we want to become and who we wanna be. Paul writes it like this in Romans. So Paul, one of the early church fathers, 
plants churches all over the, all, all over the, the region. And he writes to one of his churches and he says this in Romans chapter 12, verse two, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think about that. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You are being formed. You are being formed. You're either being conformed to the pattern of this world, or you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind, by allowing, by cooperating with the Holy Spirit to become more like Jesus, or you're conforming to the pattern of this world. But either way, we are becoming something more than we were the day before. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul is saying life, the way that life was designed to be lived. Jesus would say, I've come that you may have life. And Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends, he calls him the author of life. And Paul is making this point that, look, you can be transformed or you can be conformed. If you want to experience life the way it was designed to be, be lived, you can become a disciple and transform your mind. You know, the difference between a disciple and a follower of Jesus is a disciple is someone who disciplines themselves. A disciple is someone that forces themselves to do what might not come naturally to become who ultimately they wanna be, like Jesus. They recognize, disciples recognize that we don't drift in good directions. We don't just naturally end up where we want to be. We discipline ourselves, we prioritize things, we make decisions. One, one author said it this way, he says, uh, disciples systematically and progressively rearrange their lives. Systematically and progressively rearrange their lives. Wasn't that what happened to me? I systematically arranged my life around my city group. And as a result, over a period of just months, I was now being transformed. I was now becoming somebody that I wanted. Like, I think we would all say we want to have deep relationships. We want to have people that we could go to when our life goes to pot that we can say, man, what do I do? <laughs> somebody pray for me. Somebody be with me. Somebody know, who knows my heart, just be with me. It doesn't happen naturally. We don't just gravitate towards it that way. Instead, we systematically and progressively rearrange our lives. And look, this morning, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you know this is true, right? You know that, that, that we're either disciplining ourselves to become who we wanna be or we're just going along with whatever. I was, uh, so I, I run a, a, a small technology company and I was at a conference with other entrepreneurs, other like, like technology entrepreneurs. And what struck me, I was at this meal one time with a bunch of people from the conference None of them had started a business yet. They're at a conference for technology entrepreneurs and none of them had started a business yet. And you'd go around and say, well, tell me about your business. And they, well, I haven't started one yet. Oh, but like, you got an idea of what you're gonna do? 
No, no. How are you going to get from where you are now to starting a business, right? Like, what, well, how are you systematically arranging your life to become who you want to be? You want to be an entrepreneur. And they're like, well, you know, man, work's really good, so it's kind of hard for me to do this. Yeah, it's not just going to happen. Okay, here, my point, this is my point, is whether you follow Jesus or not, this is a truth. This is a truth in our life that if we want to become something, that, that there is a discipline, there is a, a, a saying no to things. There is rearranging our lives around those things that we, that we want, that we want it to be important. Every day, we're being formed. Where are you this morning? Where are you this morning? Do you think that you're being more conformed to just the patterns of this world? Or are you proactively being transformed by the renewing of your mind? Who do you deep down want to be? What does it look like? What does Jesus look like lived out in your life? Man, that's such a fun question to explore. The pattern of Jesus and of the New Testament is one of intentionally pursuing authentic relationships on mission. Jesus modeled this, right? If we wanna be like him, look at Jesus. This is Matthew chapter 26. So Matthew, tax collector, gives it up, makes a decision to systematically rearrange his life, <laughs> leaves his career, <laughs> leaves the safety to follow Jesus to be a disciple of Jesus. And he writes this encounter. And this is in uh, chapter 26, verses 36 through 38. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. This is the night before the crucifixion. This is the night before Jesus knows what's coming. He knows that I've been, I've been preparing for this moment where once and for all, I will finish what needs to be finished. I will make a way for everyone who wants to draw near to God, there will no longer be a separation. There will no longer be anything that can stop them, but it will come at a tremendous cost, that a cost that I don't think will, that this side of heaven, I don't think we'll ever understand. But Jesus knew at this moment, he's thinking about it. He knows what's coming. And he says, come, to, come with me, sit here while I go over there and pray. And then he takes Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Think about that. Jesus has, you know, his ministry to the world, right? He's got his ministry to the world. He's got his ministry to those people that followed him around, hundreds of people that would follow him around. Or when he would go to a town, they would come out to hear him. But then from them, there were his disciples. His disciples, they left and they would go wherever he went, right? He's got his 12. And then from his 12, he has his three. The three that he says, come with me, Peter, the sons of Zebedee, John and James, the brothers. He says, come, come, come pray with me. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep Watch with me. 
he has this ministry and you see this like progressively more intimate, authentic relationship, right? To the point where these are the three that he's like, I need you to be with me because I am about to go through something that's really difficult and I need people that, that can be with me. Ooh, that sounds heretical. Jesus needed his friends. I don't know. It seems it. Was he just modeling it for us? I don't know. It seems like he, he needed people. We know that he was a man just like any other man, right? We know that he ate and he drank and he, he was a man just like any other man. And it seems like he needed this. He needed that moment. I think he at least wanted them to be there because he was overwhelmed. He models this relationship of being vulnerable. My heart is overwhelmed. Imagine if you were those guys. I think they're a little freaked out, right? They're like, Jesus, I saw you calm the storm. I, I've seen you heal people. And then here he is, I am, I am overwhelmed with sorrow. They, I'm sure they were scared because of the level of vulnerability that Jesus was showing. Who are you vulnerable with this morning? Who are you sharing your struggles with? The pattern of Jesus is one of pursuing authentic relationships on mission. It was so important to Jesus that he prayed specifically for this. Think about that. Jesus prayed for us. Jesus prayed for us that we would have that kind of community. Jesus prayed that we would have that type of common unity, that we would come together, that we would have relationships, authentic relationships on mission. This is his prayers recorded by John. In chapter 17, verses 20 through 23, he says, my prayer, this is Jesus praying, God the Son, praying to God the Father, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. That's a strong prayer, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you were in me and I am in you, May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I mean, God the Son praying to God the Father. Like how, how powerful of a prayer is that? <laughs> the, the theological implications, I have no idea, right? God the Father, God the Son who sends God the Holy Spirit, God in three persons in one, this community of God. Think about that. He, he's, he's in his prayer, that's what he's saying. You, just as we are one, I pray that they would be one. Just as we are in a perfect community, 
I pray that they would be in a perfect community. If we're made in God's image and he's three persons, then at our fundamental core, we are made for community. I think it's also interesting that to the degree that we love one another, the world will know. Right? That's what he's saying. To the degree that you guys can live out this community that I am praying for, that I've modeled for you, to the degree that you can live that out, it will change the world. Unity, not just for the sake of unity, but for the sake of the world. The pattern of Jesus is one of intentionally pursuing authentic relationship on mission. So important that he prays for it. What does it look like? So Luke records the acts of the apostles. And so in Acts chapter two, verse 42, we see the beginnings of the church. So Jesus has modeled it. Jesus has prayed for it. And now the church begins to live it out. What does that look like? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves. Think about that word. I looked it up, like all the different, you know, translations. They continued steadfastly. They said no to things. They didn't conform to the pattern of this world. They devoted themselves. They disciplined themselves. They forced themselves to go to church when they didn't want to. They forced themselves to hang out with people that might annoy them. <laughs> they <laughs> See, I can say that. They committed themselves. They signed ridiculous contracts. No, they didn't. Get the idea. They systematically and progressively rearranged their lives. They devoted themselves. What are you devoted to? What are you saying no to to pursue something better? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the followers of Jesus now being sent out into the world. Now they're apostles. They're being sent out devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Notice this picture of community. Notice this picture from the New Testament, the pattern of being authentic in relationships, on mission. And it's being accomplished. The mission is moving forward, not by any individual, but by a community who is devoted to this. The world is beginning to know about the love of God expressed in Jesus. 
And they're, they're learning that through this community of believers. And I mean, just think about the fact that the place where they killed Jesus, the place where he was crucified, the place that would be the easiest place to squash this crazy preacher man who's talking about how he's the son of God and how he's gonna forgive sins and he's gonna make a way for us to experience the, the kingdom of God in a way that it's never been experienced before. You wanna squash that? Jerusalem's the place to make it happen. But instead, this is where the community forms together and changes the world. If this morning you're wondering, I don't know if, it, if I can believe it. I don't know if I can rationally believe that this is true. Consider that. Consider that in the very place where he was crucified, this community bands together under massive oppression, right? They had no power. They had no authority. All they had was their ability to be devoted to one another. And it changed the world. They believed as a result of what they saw. So why is it so hard? Why is it so hard? So, okay, if, if this is clear, and like we know this to be true, why is it so hard for us to devote ourselves? Why is it so hard for us to, to give ourselves to a church, to a community, to a city group? Because people are crazy, <laughs> right? Half the people you know are below average. <laughs> Dan, that's a math joke, eh? Half the people you know are below average. They're broken people, right? I think it's always crazy when you hear people talking about giving up on church. Oh man, I'm not going to that church anymore. It's filled with hypocrites. I was like, whoa, that's like, <laughs> I don't know if I can say this. Okay. <laughs> that's like saying, I'm not gonna go to the gym because it's filled with fat people. <laughs> yeah, that's where they go. <laughs> that's where we go. We're all fat. We're all Americans. <laughs> like we're all in the same category. Okay, so I just wanna throw that out. But this idea that, that, well, it's hard because people are broken. It's like, yes, it is. And we've, we've hurt each other. I, I'm, not, I'm not discounting that. That we've been hurt and we have hurt others. Church is a place that is so messy. That community, do you know how messy that was? Those guys coming together, bringing all their possessions sharing them with one another. They would literally, they would go out in the streets and they, and they would get people that were just cast, anybody that was discarded, they would bring them into their community and they'd say, no, God loves you. You might not know this, but we're gonna tell you, God loves you. And, and everyone made fun of the Christians because they, they literally would let anyone be a part of, of, of this, this group, this community that they were forming. Yeah, it's messy. People are broken we all have issues. We all get offended. But it's a place. This should be the place where people can hurt out loud. Right? Christian community was and should always be a diverse community. Community that's, that's unified only in the pursuit of the mission of Jesus, which is to, to, to love the world. The pattern of this world is to shun people that don't think like we do. The pattern of this world is to discount any voice that doesn't support what we already believe. The pattern of this world is to isolate, to focus on what makes you happy, focus on your individuality, right? There's all these different patterns. But what would happen 
if, if we are the model? What if, if we break those patterns? Paul says, bear with one another, endure with one another, make every effort to remain at one with one another. Jesus prays for it, right? It's gotta be important. It, it's easy to uh, forgive perfect people. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to forgive them. They're perfect. You don't have to bear with perfect people. You don't have to endure perfect people. Right? But this is the charge of the, of the whole New Testament. Paul's writing to his church and he would say, these are the words that he would use when he's like, man, I know it's hard because those people are crazy. But love them anyways. Pursue them. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. Have patience. Why? Because it was the pattern of Jesus. It was the prayer of Jesus. And it is the mission of Jesus for the world. It's so hard. Because some of us have such a dream of what a perfect community looks like. One writer wrote it this way. He says, the person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. In other words, what I, I had a dream of community and what it was was, man, we're gonna do life together. We're gonna have kids together. I'm gonna see your kids get baptized. I'm gonna see them go to college. Like we're gonna do this. We're gonna have decades of history together. And that's my dream of community. Doesn't happen. I could destroy community with this vision that I have. What does perfect community look like for you? And if you ask people, whatever they come up with, like you could destroy community with that vision that you have because it might not be true. The first time somebody gets up on a Sunday and says something about fat people in a joke and you're like, I'm never going back to the church again. Right? I'm, I'm a guest speaker, so don't worry. You can come back. But this idea that some of us, we have this idealized version of community and rarely does that idealized version involve devotion being devoted to something, sacrifice, discipline. We all have those boxes that have to be ticked for it to be a perfect community. Oh, I never finished the quote. It was a good one. Okay, the person who loves their dream of community will destroy community, but the person who loves those around them will create community. Man, if we can just get past our vision of what community looks like, I don't know, man. Let's just love one another. Let's just do that and the rest will work itself out. Let's just focus on how do we love the people around us, the broken people around us, the people that are different than us, the people that, that God brings together in one way or another and not worry about our idealized version. It's hard because we don't want to commit it's hard because we don't want to commit. It's another reason why. I was thinking about the effects of COVID, right? We've all, we've all had this pattern that was introduced in COVID, right? Which was, hey, do you want to go to my kid's piano recital? Ooh, I would, except I was hanging out with somebody the other day and they know somebody that had a fever and so I would love to go, but God forbid I get you guys sick. So I'm just gonna bow out. I'm, not, I'm just not gonna go, right? And they're, they're not gonna give you a hard time because, hey, right? Like you, then you could just say, look, I only care about you. That's why I don't wanna do this. 
right? But then he, he like, it's been dragging on now, right? To the point where it's like, I was on a Zoom call with somebody that I think had a fever. So maybe, just to be safe, CDC guidelines, I just, right? And so we have this pattern that has made it into some of our brains, which is we do not have to commit to anything. We don't have to commit to anything because you got, you got that release lever you can pull of just, oh man, hey, fever, right? Or COVID or hey, whatever we come up with. I just don't want to put pants on. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> All right? That, this, but that's a pattern. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world that says stay home and watch Tiger King. Instead, be transformed. <laughs> you laugh because you watch Tiger King. Let's stand. Let's stand and just, you know, there is a real epidemic of loneliness, right? There is a real epidemic of loneliness. This isn't just like church talk, right? Like there is a real concern globally that people become more lonely as more and more technology takes over, just as society evolves. The pattern of this world is a pattern that will lead us towards loneliness. But the pattern of Jesus and the pattern of the New Testament is one of pursuing authentic relationship on mission. And this morning, there's people that are gonna be here and you're like, that's me, I'm lonely. And there's people that are like, no man, I'm, I'm good. Well, if we can just get those working together, <laughs> right? If we can just come together as a community and, and commit to things like city group, commit to being at church, to being on mission, it can make all the difference in the world. And so let's pray. God, we are so thankful that you have loved us. We thank you for the work of the cross. Jesus, that you prayed for us, that you knew how difficult it was gonna be and you prayed for us. And more than that, that you gave us your Holy Spirit. God, that we don't have to do it on our own, that all we have to do is cooperate with your Spirit who lives inside of us and is moving and willing within us that we would do these things, that we would pursue these things, that we could just cooperate with you in that. So Jesus, I pray this morning that you would move, that you would speak to us, God, and for those of us who are lonely, God, that you would help us to step out and commit and be authentic to find that community that you've called us into. And for those of us who are in community, Lord, that you would help us to invite others to have eyes to see. And I pray for Ocean City Church. I pray for the mission that you have called us to, that the world may know the love that you have expressed for us in Jesus, that they would see the unity that we have and they would say, I want what they have. Come now, Jesus. Empower us, Holy Spirit.